George. And I'm George Alexander-Thompson. It's lovely to be back. It really is. It's been a, been, been a hot minute. It's been, well, it's been a weird summer because the summer is raced by it. Suddenly September. We've both been away. We've both We've been apart for a long time. Yeah, a long time. Um, but we're back. We're talking um, this episode with my f- dear friend and poet, Rowan James. Um, and we're going to talk about our own weird brains. Yeah. Because let's face it, we're wired differently and that's absolutely okay. We but both have quite odd brains. Navigating it is a <laughs> freaking nightmare. Um, <laughs> I think that's one of the things I've found hardest about not being around you this summer is because I've been on jobs where normally we would be working together. Yeah. And I can, my crazy can feed through you and I can sort stuff out, but I'm, it's not happened like that. And I've had to be dealing with it myself. Oh, babe. It's quite stressful. Yeah, I, do, I lack a lot of motivation, actually, when I'm not around you. You really kind of like give me a kick up the arse and you just make me feel like I want to do things. Well, we've been working very closely together for, I mean, forever, but also for like the last two years, like mm. in each other's pockets. We don't need each other anymore, really. No, but I do. I do love our collaboration. I think it's really important to to stick with that. I just um, it is odd going away on other jobs and being like, oh god, where's it? like I've had to paint without you there. It's really stressful. <laughs> You're good at it, though. I'm, I'm all right at it, but it just you know the science of it. I really rely on you a lot of the time. Because I'm like, don't mix those things. <laughs> They'll separate. George, put that down. I'm the worst for mixing That's a colour and then it being the wrong colour, and then everyone being like, where's the rest of the paint? And I'm like, oh, I mixed it all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> not what you're supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about how we manage to cope because that has been a long and, and meandering journey because, let's face it, we used to have to work at a pace that was so insane. That was the only way we coped. But now you've put lists in place. Yeah, I've started making lists. I don't know whether anyone else does this. I think I came up with it as like a world first. So um, I, I write lists of things to do. So recently... Oh, like recently, I'm a real major geek about like neurodivergency and stuff like that. And George, you are so symptomatic to ADHD. It's absolutely untrue. I know we had that conversation. I think we were on a bus somewhere and Ron was like, I just want you to listen to all of these symptoms. And I was like, yep, 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 yep. yep. Shall we get them up? Actually, that might help. Um, symptoms. Yes, let's, <laughs> let's diagnose George we're gonna, ADHD. By the way, neither public. of us are even vaguely qualified to be doing oh, anything yeah, like this. Completely not. But the internet's a funny place yeah, and you can, yeah. you know. I mean, you used the, it was the NHS website that you were looking at, wasn't it? It was the NHS website. Let me actually get that up. And the DHM5, the DHM5 is the American manual, basically, to all mental health issues. So like everything from antisocial personality disorder to ADHD to bipolar, everything is listed in there. Um, but let's look at the NHS because we're in the United Kingdom and the majority of our listeners are in Europe, so it might be just a little bit more relatable. Um, I'll talk about fucking symptoms. <laughs> this is so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like saying this, but it like to, but, there's, to, but that's it's, but it's really how you cope to, with it. But also is it's amazing. really important to caveat this with it doesn't matter if no, your brain really is different matter. and it's not, you know, I think a lot of times when people are like, oh, you, you seem really ADHD, people take that as a, it's like a slander almost. No, but it's actually like, it's not, it's like being dyslexic. It's you're like a remarkable person because of it. Brain is different. And you're the best fucker to have at a party because of it, you know? <laughs> Thanks. Um, carelessness and lack of attention to detail. 
I am the least attention to detail focused person I know. Like I just, I, I really struggle with that. Yeah, but this is why you're able to walk the fuck away. You're like, right, it's done. Put down your fucking brush. We're leaving. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> okay. I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's using it to your advantage and then also putting people around you that have different skills so that you're both balancing each other out. The next one is brilliant. Continually starting new tasks before finishing old ones. That is me all over. It's your flat. It's it's literally my flat. It's like, we're going to do the living room. Wait, we should do the kitchen first. I was doing this yesterday. I was like, I need to tidy my art studio. So I was like, well, if I do the washing up, this doesn't make sense. I was like, if I do the washing up first, I will tidy my studio table better. <laughs> It'll make more sense if I give myself oh, a... Oh, babe. You, but you, I, I love you so much. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's slow, uh, closely followed with poor organisational skills. That's why I've had to start doing lists. And everyone I've ever worked with has been like, George, just write everything down on a list. And I'm like, oh, but then I have to find a pen. And like, <laughs> I have to keep the list. And like, what? it's just a stressful thing to do. Inability to focus or prioritise. Sorry, what's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, continually losing or misplacing things. I mean, that's both of us. I lost my hell. phone in a suitcase the other day. Mm. Because you I lost have... it in the fireplace. Do you remember that? And I lost it in the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, it's happened to like a few times recently. I was packing to go away and I, I was glued to my, my phone was glued to my hand because of Instagram, thanks. Um, and then I lost my phone for a good half hour and then I was like, oh, I bet I put it in the suitcase and I'd packed it. I just like folded up the pants, stuck it in the suitcase with my phone and walked away. That's brilliant. Um, the, the, the next one is uh, forgetfulness. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to try and deny that one and there's no point. Yeah, absolute, <laughs> Anyone um, who knows me. Restlessness and edginess. You know, when we go into a job and people are like, oh, we just have to wait for the techies to come in. Do you mind just waiting for two hours? I can't do no. it. Yeah. I had this uh, on a job the other day. They were they had all of the huge haulage trucks were clearing out a studio and we had a little van for all the props and art materials and stuff. And they were like, oh, you're going to have to wait back at the line. Like, it'll just be a couple of hours until they're all loaded up. And I was like, no, let's just carry it down. Like, we'll just handball it past all the big lorries. Like, I'm not stood here for but, two hours. But you like see, it's... like, that's why we're so good at our job. I suffer from most of this as well. But, like, if there's nothing to do for two hours, we will find something no. to do. I used to drive my... I used to sit watching TV with my grandmother and my leg would just jitter. You know, restless leg syndrome thing. Yeah. It would drive her nuts. She was like, stop moving your foot. And I'm like... Give I me something to can't. do. can't. Like, what are you like? It's just, it's moving on its own. I'm not doing it. Yeah, this is why I, like in particular, when I go to see my mum in Ireland, she does not allow you near mobile phones. So I'll have the Knights Move solitaire in front of me, you know, oh, the marbles. Yeah, yeah, I love and that. And I will play it continuously. I have to have a jotter with me. I have to have I've pens. never been able to complete that game. Can you do it? Yeah, I can, yeah. I really, like, we've always had one in the house and I've always tried and I'd like, I'll sort of, I'll cheat. I'll just be like, I'll put it down and be like, yay, did it. And I've never actually done oh, it. Oh, George, I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. Could you? Uh, I will. Um, <laughs> difficult. This is both of us all over. Me more so, actually. Difficulty keeping quiet or speaking out of turn. Oh. It's my turn to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I have actively been trying to do better in this area of my life. This is the origin of this fucking podcast. Yeah, because we're just like <laughs> chat, 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 chat. And I did, especially when you're like particularly this big job that we did we'll talk about more in a sec we were with new people we were going to the pub every night and I was I was oversharing on such a massive level <laughs> that I would sit I would sort of I'd have to sit there and be like no George don't tell that story or just let three other people speak before you say something else like I do 
It's difficult. It's hard. And you know what? You were an interrupter you... at school, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like, oh, I'll do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Terrible. It's, it's, it's awful. Oh, yeah. This is followed with blurting out responses and after it and interrupting others. I mean, constantly. We're, we're assholes. Yeah. Both of us. I mean, I think Alex does a lot of work on the podcast so that he chops out the bits where we're just constantly <laughs> interrupting us. Um, mood swings, irritability, and quick temper. You don't have that. I don't. It's internal. But it's really, (laughs) like, I do have a quick temper, and when it goes, it goes. But I I work very hard to hide that one. It's like when you're on the tube, you're like, oh, I did the worst thing on the tube the other day. I felt so bad. I was going into Vauxhall, and everyone was moving so fucking slowly, like this bunch of fucking suits everywhere, and I was, like, all painty. And I was getting so frustrated, and then someone just stopped right in front of me in the door onto the platform, and I was like, excuse me. And they jumped out of their fucking skin. And I turned around and it was this beautiful girl with like big pink fluffy headbands and like this little pink jumper and like a cute little backpack. And I was like, I've completely yelled at the wrong person. Like I was getting stressed at all these awful like yardy business people. Aww. And then I yelled at the lovely person. I felt terrible about it. Um, this is uh, slowly followed, well, uh, shortly followed with extreme impatience. Oh, yeah, that's the same story, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Taking, I mean, this is our early 20s slash our late 20s. Taking risks in activities, often with little or no regard for personal safety or the safety of others. For example, driving dangerously. I mean, neither of us drive. That's the, but that's the reason I don't drive. That's the reason we don't drive. Yeah, I'm like, I know. My dad always said if you drove, it would be like Toad of Toad Hall. And I couldn't even be offended by it. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'd be like. Meep, meep. It's like, yeah, but like that's that's kind of a rundown on ADHD. Very, we're not psychologists. We can't diagnose ourselves. But it's just something to look at because then we can go on YouTube and go, how the fuck does everybody else cope with these particular set of symptoms? But also, yeah, but also like I don't, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't think when you have, they're called symptoms and you could call, you could just as easily call them personality types, but they are the things that make me extremely good at my job, but also that frustrate me about myself the most. And I think when you're talking about mental health, you have to also include the fact that it's, you know, so many of those things are positives. Like, I really so enjoy many, working with dyslexic out, people it, because like, they think yeah. differently. And when you're trying to problem solve, if you've got someone with a slightly different brain to you, you can work things out quicker because people look at stuff at, in different angles. And it's fascinating. It really helps when you're creative. Um, like, all of those things are the things that I actually quite love about you. I think, like, I'm, as I said, I'm just a geek about this, but I think it is an inability to, your dopamine is never quite at the top. Mm-hmm. So you're always flitting from one thing to the other to try and get that hit of dopamine. That means you feel satiated in dopamine. It can mean that you have sleeping problems. You don't have sleeping problems. No, I don't. No. That's See, thing. that's the I thing. It really doesn't, well. it's not like, it's just something that we're looking at. And it's like funny to look at, like, it's funny to kind of look it up. Hold on. I'm going to look up my little set of symptoms and loads of these like cross over it's all a big spectrum do you know what I mean yeah, like exactly. I am to you um <laughs> mine's poor balance oh yeah <laughs> this Which is dyspraxia it's so difficult <laughs> because the poor balance thing hits you so hard so often <laughs> sometimes like, it's fine yeah and then sometimes other times it's, really it's like bad. like I'll be walking out of a job like a professional job and I will just fall flat on my face looking very drunk mm. Um, no, it was when you fell over in the supermarket and fucked your knees up, and like, you just well, I fell on both of my like, knees and little. <laughs> yeah, just like the worst. 
I just can't. I can't imagine how sore that is. It's horrible. It's very painful. George came to me, uh, came with me to A and E, and we did some sketches in A and E. It was quite fun. Yeah. But yeah, that was very, very painful. Lack of rhythm or dancing um, when doing aerobics. So lack of rhythm. I can't clap in time. I oh, think... I can't either. When people, I <laughs> dread the moment in a theatre where everyone's like clapping along to the song, and I'm like. We oh, will shit. rock you. I've never been able to no, do that. No, I can't do it. Like, Should we try it now? We will, we will rock you. No, missed it. Wait, no, try it. Try it for real. Okay. We will, we will rock you. Wait, why is there a third clap? Fucking hell. Okay, so we've demonstrated that <laughs> one. Um, rock you. Is there another cha, one? It's boom, cha, the boom, boom, cha. Is it? I don't know. I don't know, man. Oh, God. Clumsy gait or movement. Difficulty changing directions. <laughs> Stopping and starting actions. When we were working at the Unicorn <laughs> Theatre, my favourite thing was, because um, I always arrived a little bit early, um, and I would sit on the fountains opposite the London Bridge train station, and then Ra would just sort of fall out of the station <laughs> with, the, with the scooter and the big bag and the paint kit and just like rock around. And it was just, I loved it every morning. Just Such like, a calamity. Oh, there she is. It's really nice. Um... What's the next one? I'm, I'm just kind of going through. Difficulty using tools, domestic implements, locks and keys. Now, I can use some very well. Wouldn't I avoid using I drills. think if you haven't lost your key, you know how to use it. Yeah, that's but true. it's never there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I tend to break things when I'm using them. But I think that's why you like your fucking stupid multi-tool. Yeah. Because it's kind of a hatchet job weapon that you can use for anything that gets it done. And you probably wouldn't have noticed this, but when it comes to eating, I tend to only actually use a fork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't use the knife at the same time. But the I food think that's goes all enough. over like, the place. Most of the time you don't really need a knife. I just, I like, we got, um, we got trained, like the cutlery training at my house was next level wow it's like how to do different things we like just ate the food not allowed to t like <laughs> like is that a breeding thing I, yeah i yeah. think so you're yeah. like you're not your fork is never allowed to be the wrong way up so even with peas you had to like wait wait, wait go back go back there's a wrong way up for a fork well you're not allowed to scoop what you're not you it has to go down and then with peas you have to push them onto your fork with your knife and then four at a time because you can't get more than that on a fucking fork. Fucking hell. Did Not you grow, like, if, if I was an alien visiting you and we were speaking the same language, I'd be like, did you grow up in prison? Yeah, similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very posh prison. <laughs> very, very posh prison. God, like I the army. <laughs> can, can, can you teach me all of this stuff? I know to eat from the outside in. Oh my God, should we do an, ep an et I can't even say etiquette episode? Etiquette episode. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's a bit dated now, or is it not? And I just haven't noticed. Well, no, because I th I find it so ridiculous. Like, I do, occasionally I'll be in a restaurant and I'll see something someone eating and I will have a flash of that's not how you should hold your knife. And I'm like, God, George, like, why do you care? Like, it's so it's literally like a trained into you thing. I find it very odd that people have rules about stuff like that. It's strange. Next one is difficulty dressing and grooming activities, such as putting on makeup, shaving, doing hair, fastening clothes, tying shoelaces. This works to my advantage. I am bad with hair, but for that reason, I can just go back on, back on, back home, pin, 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 and it's mm. fine. And your makeup is always on point. You're very good at I makeup. I can't do the line on top without it going everywhere. So I just do really easy things. Yeah, yeah, And like I've got techniques that I've learned from painting that I apply to putting on lipstick. But that's what's nice about it is that it suits your style. And you yeah. don't, if you can't do the eyeliner thing, I stopped wearing eyeliner because there's it. no point because it yeah. goes, my eyelid goes so far into the back of my skull we that it just goes everywhere. It's be you have beautiful <laughs> eyes, by the way. If you haven't seen Georgie, he's got fucking gorgeous. 
gorgeous eyes. Me getting dressed, we could make a slapstick comedy sketch out of that. Well, I have done on so many occasions. It's like I've filmed if you, you go... trying to get out of a jumper. <laughs> or trying to put a jacket on. Yeah, it's, it's my favourite <laughs> thing. It's so gorgeous. It's like trying to find the armholes, trying to do buttons. Like I'll often leave with things inside out or back to front. But to be honest... My that 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 suits my style because my style is an absolute calamity. Yeah, but I'm just say you know I like a pair of dungarees and a nice jacket because it's quite easy. Like I think too much faff is stressful. No, fuck that. Fuck buttons. Fuck fuck tying shoelaces. Never been able to do it. Let's move on. The next one has its own section, which I don't understand. It's poorly established hand dominance. I do have that. I can use my left or right hand. I mostly write with my right. Um, but it's really handy being left-handed in our job because sometimes your right arm just wants to drop off. Yeah. So like you use your left hand to do the rolling and it's fine. Or you use see, both I hands. can't do, I can't do like very. I can lift with my left arm, but I can't uh, paint or draw. Can I add that Rowan James is also dyspraxic, and we went on a little holiday to Bournemouth together, which is where we did the interview that is in this episode. Two dyspraxics trying to live together. It was hysterical. There was shit everywhere. Yeah. And like, we're quite neat people, but there was shit everywhere. And trying to leave the house, he was like, you take the key. And I was like, you take the key. <laughs> it was like, it was it was a hysterical battle. And yeah. then if we went out for a couple of pints, usually I hang on to somebody if I've had a couple of pints, but we were both. You were both like that because he couldn't hang on to you. Yeah. yeah. So we were like both like slugging up the street. It was fucking brilliant. But I you, love I that man so much. I got a really so cute message from the two of you where you'd had one beer, but everyone <laughs> thought you were fucking wasted because you were just like not really yeah, able Ro- to walk very well. <laughs> Rowan, I remember, it's actually really annoying. He was up in Edinburgh and he was like, I saw him walking down the street. He, d- he did this amazing show. We'll talk about it in his interview. And he was really upset and he was like, Rah, I couldn't get served at the bar, they thought I was drunk. And I was like, oh no. Oh, like people need to open their eyes and actually talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And engage with it because, yeah, it's annoying. But yeah, I very quickly look very pissed, which is No, but also like that is, I mean, that is such an important thing, isn't it? Especially for like a myriad of different disabilities is that not all of them are visible and not all of them look the way you would perceive them to look. And also... Sometimes people do look drunk when they're not, but a short conversation with someone will sort that out. And if you're so busy working at a bar that you can't be bothered to find out who your customers are, you shouldn't be working on the bar. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to tell the difference between neurodivergence and drunkenness. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's... Anyway, moving on. Um, Speech and language may continuously repeat themselves and some people with dyspraxia have difficulty organising the content and sequence of their language. You know, when I'm trying to tell a story, I'm like... There was a field and Jimmy was there and over in New Zealand there was a shop. And like it's just It's all a bit higgledy piggledy. Yeah. But then also like I think that's I don't know whether it's a creative thing. I I definitely repeat myself. Like I'll definitely tell the same story over and over again. Everyone and, loves your stories, George, though. <laughs> no, I know, but not when they've heard them four times or like poor Ali's listened to me with three different sets of people and I've had the same conversation with all of them. He's like, oh, so this no. is one that applies to me. I'm skipping one that don't, some that don't apply to me because it's harder to talk about. Um, this is one that Alex, our producer, loves. Um, speech may have uncontrolled pitch, volume, and rate. Alex, does that apply to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, I like it on jobs when you've got your headphones on and then you're trying to tell someone something and your volume control just goes oh God. way out of the way. But it's without brilliant. the headphones on, I can't focus yeah because if there's too much noise around me I just become really overwhelmed and I'm like I'm going to go and cry in the toilet now whereas I'm the opposite like I find silence very very uncomfortable 
And so if I'm on my own in the flat, I either have to have the TV or the music on. And then most of the time I'll be talking to myself because I can't cope with just nothing. Here, here's the bit about perception. Difficulty in distinguishing sounds from, back, from background sounds to noise. So like a tendency to be oversensitive to noise. So like all of it's on the same level in my head. Did you see sense. that thing? I sent you an advert on Instagram when you were back on Instagram mm-hmm. about loops. Loops. Um, it was an advert for this thing called loops. Yeah. And oh, the thing earbuds. Autistic, yeah. And this I've, autistic I've... girl was talking about them online. And she can't cope with background noise very well. And it's just like a metal hoop that you put in your ear. And it's kind of cool looking. Looks really cool. It looks like piercing. I I need to put that down, actually. And it gets rid of all the background noise. So if you're in a bar, it takes out all of the chatter and you can just talk to your mate. I I need to get them. And I I? just, well, I think a lot of our listeners would probably benefit from them as well. So we're we're all on a similar kind of like loads of us suffer in the pub because we're, we all get rendered deaf. Yeah. Because it's like, you've had this for years with parties. You're like, I don't like going to big parties because it's too many voices. So let's get you some. Let's do it. And then get sponsored by them. Um, Um, We'll get you some and then we'll do, we'll do a little, um, that's our homework. We can do a little, uh, what's it called? Not a preview, a review. A review. A yeah, review. let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one is a bit of a sad one, um, and it does make me sad, and it got worse after I had Phoenix. Oversensitive to touch, can dislike being touched or have an aversion to tight clothing or tactile tactile people. Yeah. I'm like, don't fucking touch me. Don't do that. Don't touch me. Yeah, yeah. And my clothing has to be very specific. There has to be a layer of tight with a very loose layer over it mm-hmm. and nothing can touch my neck really too much. And Ali and I have just finished watching, I mean, we did it in like a day and a half, the new series, so season five of Sex Education on Netflix. Oh, have you started watching it? Finished it. I thought it was three. I watched it yesterday, guys. He's wrong. I might be wrong. It might be season three, <laughs> but also watch season five because it's specific <laughs> to what I'm about to say. Um, there's, there is a... Um, a non-binary character who is made by one of the teachers to change what they're wearing and they're made to wear tighter fitting clothes. And it's really upsetting to the character because obviously when your body and your, you know, all of... When you're not comfortable yeah, when with, you're not with, comfortable with chest with what or you're wearing, with hips like, or waist or whatever, you know, you don't want form-fitting clothes. Yeah, I've always worn baggy clothes and I've swung in and out of wearing sort of slightly tighter or slightly baggier clothes. George, but like, my... you corset yourself sometimes. Yeah, but isn't that weird? Is that I'm very comfortable in really baggy clothes and if I'm not in baggy clothes, I have to be in a fucking corset. Yeah, you look It's one extreme corset. or the other. It's like a tight, like I don't, you know, I feel a bit weird sometimes. Anyway, um... Little sense of time, speed, distance or weight leading to difficulties driving or cooking. Yeah. I mean. You've cooked some of the most filthy food I've ever eaten. It's fucking weird. <laughs> it's a little bit burnt. And there's chicken on one side and the corn is on the other. So you're just going to have to mix it up. That Chill. mushroom stroganoff you did though was amazing. Yeah, because I managed to follow a recipe for once in my life. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to speed through the next one. A little sense of direction, difficulty distinguishing right from left. I mean, that's most people I know. So like, yeah. If you don't know right from left, Zoe Belton put it best. She was just like, just point. Yeah, or write it on the back of your hand. Like, it doesn't really matter that way. Um... This is something that most people that we work with. It's um, learning thought and memory. I've got shit memory, poor, poor short term memory, can forget and lose things, unfocused, erratic, can be considered messy and cluttered. I'm getting better. You're getting better at that, but those, it all still applies. No, Same to me. Come on, my house is like, it's like practically minimalist now. It's 
minimalist for us, <laughs> Mary Kondo would go to town. She's like, what is this dismembered like, doll? What the fuck is this? <laughs> why why um, do you need this? Do you know what I mean? And that's exactly where I'm at with the flat at the moment because I'm doing so well throwing stuff out. But if you come around, it's still got a lot of stuff in it. I, mean, like, I, think, you're, a, I think you're doing great. Thanks. I'm really proud of you. I'm doing better. Um, I love this one. Slow to finish a task. May daydream or wander about aimlessly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's both of us, isn't it? Like, God, we're absolute just... assholes, aren't we? We'll just be like, oh my God, there's poppies outside. We have to go and look in that field. And yeah. like, we'll be meant to be inside, like doing something in a property and we'll be out frolicking with the poppies. But then I think... Just for a minute. Well, do you know what? Like, I think left to our own devices, that's what we're like. I think when we're working with or for other people... The pressure of that it, kind of... It goes, it, 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 it's not even pressure. You just you, you sort of get less distracted so easily. Whereas when we're just the two of us, it definitely gets really lackadaisical yeah okay we're gonna we're gonna keep going so this one is all about emotion and behavior so difficulty to listen to people especially in large groups we covered that uh difficulty picking up on non-verbal signals oh my god so like i don't understand sarcasm that's a big oh, old problem you're, this is really funny because this is one that you're really bad at but i'm very good at yeah like i feel like i can meet someone not speak any of their language and completely communicate with them because you just like, you make faces, point, draw, whatever. See, this is where you back me up an awful lot because I won't pick up on the nuances of a situation. I remember once we were in a pub and you went out to have a cigarette and I followed you out and you were like, those people are being absolute assholes. And I was completely ignorant to the whole mm. thing. But if I went back over the conversation, like when you told me it, I was like, I'm not going to mention anyone or anything like that. Um, this is years ago. But um, yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, how did I miss that? And like mm. this is actually, it's actually ended up with me being in bad relationships or something like, like things like that because I can be quite literal with understanding things. And mm. that's something that I'm working with with my therapist, Joanna Cole, to understand the nuances of conversation and body language so I can spot red flags or I can spot green flags mm. or I can understand, I can understand what somebody is actually taught, like, beyond literal, like beyond the literal conversation. I'm trying to learn that. Yeah. Because it's it's dangerous. It's, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. It can be really frustrating. I hate, to like, a, a job that I had before sort of going full-time art department. I was working in events and I had to be on the phone a lot of the time. And I really, really struggle not being able to see people's gestures or facial expressions because I can't really latch into what they're saying. Yeah. And so I find being on the phone, I find WhatsApp very frustrating. We had that hysterical one this morning. <laughs> you were like, shall I get some rum and ginger ale? And I was like, it's ginger beer. And you were like, I quite like ginger ale, though. And I was like, I don't think you know what it is. And <laughs> it, it just sounded like a shade it, conversation. Yeah, it, it, like if you, if you had two people reading it who didn't know each other, it would have been very, very rude. And I loved that, that we sort of, it's about knowing someone well enough to know how they communicate and yeah. then being kind to sort of kind of knowing that you have to give certain people different things based on what their needs are. Yeah, very, very much so. But like, to be honest, it's kind of that particular trait can really work in our favour in a work um, situation because I don't get stressed out by assholes as quickly as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I'm like, oh, they're great because they're actually coming in and being really sarky and shady. And I'm like, but they offered everyone coffee. And, like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's it's very rare that I will get pissed off. Remember that wood graining job and I got pissed off? Oh, yeah, that um, one time. But, but that like, was not your fault. No, no. <laughs> and I just spoke very sharply to somebody. I think I was like, you get you get to critique me after this. 
finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, no, it was so funny because then you turned around to me and you were like, oh my God, was I really rude? And I was like, no, that was an appropriate level of rude. Yeah, but like, yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, Emotions and uh, as a result of difficulties experienced, I get stressed, depressed and anxious, have difficulty sleeping, prone to low self-esteem, emotional outbursts, phobias, fears, obsessions, compulsions and addictive behaviour. This is fine. This is all stuff that I go through with my therapist. And to be honest, obsessions is the reason why I'm here. Because I'm obsessed with my camera. I'm obsessed with Oh, well, we both have that. I mean, that's part of the pocket. You know, the favourite thing thing is a real, like, like, obsessed. I got obsessed with a crayon the other day. Like, obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah, but like, we, we, you sound exaggerated. No. No, no. Like, we spend hours with this thing. No, it distracted me for a full hour that I should have been working. (laughs) I was on Google trying to track down this pencil. And then it snapped in half. I got really upset. Then I found my shot and I sharpened it. I've got it in my bag. Do you want to see it? Yeah, I want to see it. We're having um, an adjacent favorite thing moment. Can I just um? Uh, can I'm I talking just, uh, about being distracted? Like, <laughs> and he's like rummaging just, in my bag like I just a lunatic. Say, my favorite thing at the moment has gone back to being Sims Four because I'm going through a difficult family time at the minute. And describe oh that pencil God, to the podcast pencil. listeners. Okay, so at a glance, it looks like an ordinary pencil. It's navy and it has gold writing saying K O H I N O O R. I think it's pronounced Cory Nor. Cory Nor, Hardmuth Mondaloo. Okay, and um, it's sharpened really nicely by an artist. You know, that's with a shaving pen. No one uses with a, a knife. Pearer. Yeah, but you call them sharpeners. We call sharpeners, them pairs. Pairs. Pearers. Don't know what accent. I did use. some really nice drawings. Okay, with this oh, little... okay, so it's quite waxy. Yeah, I like a waxy crayon at the moment. Um, when you go light, you get lovely texture of the page. When you go heavy, it gives a really Thick. Okay, I can. It's like a pas- pastel meets a crayon. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a wax pastel meets a crayon, and I've just I'm completely obsessed with it. Um, and it's yeah, it's like a pencil as well. So and now I just need to be able to justify sending the the sixty five pounds that it off. is for a set of them. What? How many do you get? I think you get like thirty. Um, you've been working fine. a lot. Treat yourself. Yeah, I deserve them. What were we talking about? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> being distracted. <laughs> But like, <laughs> so what were we saying? Oh yeah, prone I love to that so much being prone to distractions and getting obsessed with stuff. Yeah, okay. So like, that's a rough rundown of dyspraxia. We did a rough rundown of ADHD. We're both symptomatic of these things. It's nice to look at. It's nice to look at how the network deals with it. But at the end of the day, it's what makes us fucking awesome. Yeah, and I think also it's it's really useful to look at stuff like that and go, that's what makes me good at this that's what makes the an artist that's that's it's it like doesn't well, it doesn't make an artist it can drive it can drive not yeah. but like you know art i do think artists need to be obsessive like i do think you have to you know you have to want to be pushing something forward all the time like there is there's so many elements to all of those things that make creativity possible because they drive it forward the inquisitivity Inquisitivity? Yeah, that's totally a word. Is that a word? Why not? Inquisitiveness. Inquisitiveness. Inquisitivity is much nicer than inquisitiveness. I mean, like, the the short attention span, always looking for things of interest. That's something that we both have. And it's like, oh, my God, we'll find beauty in every situation that we're in. You put us in in a waiting room we will find something that's beautiful there. If it's a water stain on the wall or... That's the nice thing about being a scenic artist is that you can see the dirtiest, rustiest, moldiest piece of crap and you go, oh, that's That's stunning. It's beautiful. beautiful. I just... I just... just I'm in love with that mold. 
Um, so that's our little segment on how our brains work and how it's just absolutely fine. I think that's really nice. That's, <laughs> I mean, a, good, that's a good segment. I, mean, our, I like our, it. T- our teachers didn't like it. I felt quite stupid in school or like a disappointment. Yeah. I could do better. But like in my adult life, I'm fucking nailing it. It's fine. I think that is, and to bring it back to uh, the sort of education thing, is that it's so frustrating that so many people that I know had a really shit time at school because they weren't really understood. And I do think that the education system is getting better and more responsive to people's individual needs. But you just can't teach everyone in the same way. People need different things. People have different response mechanisms. Mm -hmm. People have different ways of memorizing stuff. And I think that's, you know, like Al's Al's nieces and nephews all seem much more kind of in tune to an education style that is getting better. Yeah, absolutely. But I think a lot of School for Phoenix is better than it was for me. Yeah. So let's do some news. Um, what is your news? My news. Um, <laughs> so I, I want Pause to kind of. for effect. I want to keep it in relation to my coping mechanisms. Um, I use, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I use the game Sims 4 an awful lot to help organize my house, mm-hmm. to know how many things that I might need, um, to, <laughs> to kind of experiment with dress styles or hairstyles. <laughs> It's like it's such a, a a good game for understanding relationships as well. And, you know, for instance, things like in The Sims 4, you can have a house with five people in it. When you have a house with five people in it, it's very hard to manage everybody's needs. And realizing that from moving from a big house when I was in my marriage to um, a house with just me and Phoenix, I'm realizing that looking after my own needs, both in The Sims and in real life, is a lot easier. Mm. And I've got time to you know, actually relax and, and indulge a hobby. I've got a piano now and I'm getting better, which is great. And The Sims is kind of helping inform me on that. Um, also for my birthday, Elliot got me Dublin Monopoly and it's great. Oh, nice. Yeah, and we play the short version and Phoenix can now play. Oh, I love that photo of him playing Monopoly with Elliot. That was so cute. It's really cute, isn't really, it? Really, really lovely. Um, Elliot's a gorgeous friend of mine. Um, he was an actor and he is now a mental health nurse. He's brilliant, so brilliant and understands mental health stuff so, so well. We geek out about it together. It's quite fun. Yeah, nice. Um, And leading on to that, Elliot. So for my birthday, me and Elliot and Phoenix went to the Duck and Waffle. And then we went to see Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat with with, um, Jason Donovan and... um, um, it doesn't matter Jason Donovan was in it that's and fucking he's, he's awesome fucking gorgeous as well that's so cute I mean he must be like 103 now but he that's was what I was thinking I thought yeah. he was in it like a while ago no he, was like, <laughs> he is he, he played Pharaoh and um, Alexandra Burke was the um, compare the the host you know way way back many oh, centuries sure. ago. Yeah, yeah that yeah. woman um, <laughs> and Anyway, the duck and waffle was gorgeous. Um, Phoenix loved the lift. It's got a really oh, big lift. So Just Google the duck and though, waffle. It? It's great. The view is amazing. It's a very once a year kind of place because yeah. it is a bit spenny. Um, but then we went to Joseph and it was so nice. I just looked at Phoenix through the whole thing. I can't imagine that he must have loved it. Yeah, I, and he was just standing and staring and jumping up and down and like really enjoying it. And then I asked him what his favourite bit was and he was like the singing and dancing at the end because I don't know if you've seen Joseph. 
it's mostly the reprise. No. It's like, basically, there's the songs, there's the, you know, they go all over the world with, you know, Calypso to French music. It makes no sense and it's 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 wonderful and it's very colourful. But at the end, they just kind of do a, a summary of the whole thing oh, and amazing. everybody comes out for a clap and like, it's just a mad sing-along and Phoenix was just... Oh, that's great. It was so beautiful. and I love going to theatre with him because I end up watching him, not the show. Yeah! Because like his reactions to stuff are so like, that's what theatre should be about. And that's like, it's so special. It's really lovely. What's your news? So my news, to keep it kind of in line with what we've been talking about, my news is uh, things that I've been trying to get better at, like actively for the sake of my mental health. So I did a uh, show before I went away in the summer for the East London Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. So I designed the set and the costume for their Midsummer Night's Dream. Congratulations. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but fuck, I've never done anything like that on my own before. And I was in charge of the budget and buying everything and sourcing everything oh, and geez, making George. everything and doing all of this stuff. And I'm not my skill set. So I told them, yes, absolutely, totally fine doing it. And then I was like, shit you know trying really hard to did you end up spending loads of your own money i spent a bit of my own money but only on the add-ons at the end so like all the jewelry and i've just said to them look i'm going to keep all the jewelry it's my jewelry jewelry." um but i actually went into it very fearful that i wouldn't be able to keep up with it and actually did a very good job just by being super organized and having a boring spreadsheet and logging everything in and putting receipts in one place and i was like well done oh i was good at it and that's i nailed the stuff it. i enjoy now that i'm on top of it yeah and yeah. i think that's what so news from that is trying to move that forward into actual life and being a bit more responsible with moving money here buying premium bonds, you know, putting money in savings accounts. We've, we've you know. talked about money previously in the podcast. Yeah. And we're both shit with it. We're both we're shit with better. it, but getting better. Yeah. And so that's part of my news. Um, the job that we did for five weeks in Devon, um, they had an outdoor swimming pool. And oh my God, George, I, is that why you're so skinny? Oh, like wasting away. <laughs> um, yeah, I was getting up at 6.30 every morning and going for a swim before Shut work. up. And I have, then the next job I went on, we were staying in a hotel and they had a swimming pool. So I got to carry it on there. Well done. And then I went swimming yesterday morning in Camberwell. Oh, the, okay. It was so busy and the lanes were full. Oh, was and there other people was really there? Slow. Because of COVID, they're booking up the lanes and it's just, it all got a bit stressful. Um, so this morning I went for a 5k run and I'm just... Getting back on the the exercise train, I think that's a little really bit, great, George. And it shows nice. as well. You're looking, you're glowing. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Um, so that's a bit of my news is trying to keep mentally healthy by doing a bit more exercise. Um, and then, oh, the other one, I've got my notebook in front of me because I write lists he now. D- he does lists. Um, is I'm still trying to. This, this has been like ongoing since oh, the George. inception of the podcast, <laughs> but I'm trying to keep the house tidier. Um, and part of this is a move to. Um, the Create One Eight Studios. Yeah, well um, I've taken a desk there so I can move all of my art supplies and studio out of the house into a designated art Is creation that not a space. Piece of news for the next episode, though. You being a Create One Eighty. Yeah, I guess so. But the decluttering the house thing. Decluttering the house. It's really funny because you sent me a picture going, "I'm decluttering," and it was basically you with surrounded by boxes and clutter. And I was like. Oh, George, what's happening there? Well, no, I'm pulling it all out, <laughs> getting rid of some of it. 
and then putting most of it back where it was. I love you so deeply. I just, it's obscene. You and know, if I was there, you'd be crying. Oh my God, that's why I don't invite you around to do, to help anymore. Oh, damn you. But even like, I said to Al the, yesterday, because I was doing it yesterday, and um, Al was like, shall I, shall I get up and help? And I was like, no, I could feel myself getting a bit stressed out by it. So I just sort of chucked a bunch of stuff out. And it feels good. But also, I really like my stuff. Test. This is also a test. This is what it sounds like when we test Ron say something. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So um, I'm on holiday here. Uh, we've come down to Bournemouth and coincidentally, it's the Bournemouth Emerging Arts Fringe. I'm with my very old friend, artist Rowan James. Hello, Rowan. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. We've just had two days down here. Um, Rowan, tell us a little bit about yourself, why don't you? Uh, um, so I live in Bristol. Um, I work as a freelance artist. Um, my art came out of my doing performance poetry, or that Mikey Talky thing, as you used to call it. Mikey, Mikey Talky thing, yeah. <laughs> now, me and Rowan met down in Ipswich. There was quite a boisterous art scene when we were there at McGinty's, and... Then you went on to do shows like Spaz and um, Easy For You To Say. I Yeah, tell us a bit about those shows. Well, um, Spaz is not a show. Spaz is just one poem. But um, uh, I've done a show called Deaf Eye. And I've done a show called Easy For You To Say. Um, Easy For You To Say was back in 2015. Uh, yeah, it's a long time ago. It's hard to remember. Um, but it was a show about labels. It was my first show. It was all right. It was all right. I've got that, <laughs> art, I've got that complete artist thing where it's like, you know, nothing's ever really going to be good enough. It's like two bits of work that I'm proud of in my life. Um, but Deaf Eye is actually probably one of the shows that I am proud of that um, came after Easy For You To Say, which was um, a ensemble piece with me, a dancer, and a deaf rapper. So it was looking at the experience of disability, contrasting it um, with using contrasting art forms. So you had a physical art form in dance, a physical language in sign, oh, well, sign um, rhyming, I guess, sign poetry, and then um, a linguistic art in poetry. So it was kind of a mashup of those three things. Amazing. It's nice when worlds collide. Yeah. Um, and something that I find really, really admirable about you is that you managed to figure out your way around funding. Um, I've recently been turned down for the Develop Your Creative Practice. Can you give me any tips of how you seem to manage to get I the mean, arts I think, uh, <laughs> like, I'm, It's like, wow. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've been pretty lucky, but then there's obviously there's loads that I haven't got. Um I don't know, like, I didn't have a clue, and I think it was 2017. I just was like, I've just got to get my head around this. And I'd done, like, 15 to 20 applications. Oh, my gosh. Year. And then 
I've got like two of them that weren't even very good. <laughs> like, you know, they were all right, but they weren't. And then the next year. 15 to 20 and then to get uh, two. Okay, that's good for me to stick in my head. But so just... you, you've got to work on that. It is almost like a one in 10 sort of ratio you've got to work on. I think it's an artist yeah. for applications um, or something like that. It's not much. You've got to do a lot more that you get. But I, I think in 2018, I got a little roll. Um, and that's another thing. I mean, I think sometimes you can apply for things because it starts to become in your job applying for things and then some opportunities, and then you get them all at once and then it gets really messy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> but, uh, like, that's something that um, a previous interviewee, Carrie Franzman, said to us. She got the develop your creative practice and then she had to start paying tax. Oh, I... Like, because... It, it just kind of messes everything up and you're not used to it and then, like, yeah. you have to manage all of that as well as being an artist, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, she must have been doing pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? On top of your other earnings as well, though. Um, because we always have a poetry moment, I would love to talk to you a little bit about your poetry and maybe hear a poem. If you have a poem, dear Rowan, James, please, maybe. Okay, okay. Um... Oh, God. <laughs> Please bear in mind that it's beautiful sunny morning in Bournemouth. Well, At 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, and it was my turn to have a hug hangover. 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 So he's a bit like, I had to massage his brain before we started because Rowan has a hangover. So I'm asking him to access um, your internet <laughs> 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 dehydrated brains. Oh, my God. What poem do you want to hear? you got to tell me. I don't know. Have you got a short one? Oh, God. All right. <laughs> we can have a drum roll. Disabled, unstable, labels hanging from my navel with a locket around my neck with a list of what I can't do and a shorter one of what I'm able. A gesture and a smile doing the job of a babel. Because is it a platform on stilts or is it actually a table? And if one of those legs was broken, will it still fall under the same label? Because every utensil has to have a label. Whether it's a serving spoon or actually a ladle. Hollow at the man whose life has lived. Trying to straighten his pasta, surrounded by colliders looking for a sieve. <laughs> well done. He got through it. That was hard. That was amazing. I, I think the poems, especially because like, you edit them and a lot, and then when you haven't done them for like five years, you forget you, the edit. You forget the edits, and then when you, you sort of remember a hybrid version that you have to try and put back together as you're doing it. Do you write your poems down? Not really. Okay, I do, but they're all on little tiny bits of paper all over the place. And it's like yeah. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite impressed. I mean, I have you... got them written down, but I'm never really. I always compose and memorise them in my head mainly. So, so you're maybe a little bit more academic than me, though. And actually, I don't know if that's academia. Well, you know, you I mean, have, that's you've, just a strange. You've got a good storage system. <laughs> I think it's just really bad handwriting, so I had to oh, learn God. another way. Yeah, my handwriting. <laughs> my handwriting's not my strong point, but I, I think that's something um, for me as an artist. I really struggle with storage and organisation. Yeah. Now I know you're dyspraxic as well, so we both like. By the way, we've had a fucking glorious holiday. Like two dyspraxic people trying to leave a flat to go out and like remembering their keys. 
They're a mess. Like the keys, what a fiasco. I mean, I've already lost my house keys trying to look after these keys. It's, it was, it's been, it's, it's, it's been, it's, been terrible. it's like looking after a terrible. child, looking after the keys on this holiday. It's, it's been insane. I mean, I wish we had your child here to, to keep us. things safe. <laughs> <laughs> we could just give him a little safety bag. Yeah, it's just been like, it's been quite funny anyway. But like, yeah, we're a bit of a fiasco, me and Rowan, but we've been friends for 10 years now. Ten years. That's flown by, hasn't it? It has, it we're, has. But um, you were teaching in the college that I did a foundation <laughs> fucking art course in. Yeah, that's not how we met. We'd already met before that. Was that in McGinty's? <laughs> yeah. McGinty's was a legendary bar um, run by a, a woman called Veronica. It was an Irish bar. And it had the blue room, it had all these gigging rooms... It's always oh, full of music. Yeah, I mean, like, like we were talking about yesterday, there was definitely a couple of years when that that place was legendary. Like on a Friday night, just absolutely pumping. Yeah, heaved four deep at the bar. Four deep, heaving, yeah. heaving. It was. I just. I loved. I loved that time there. That was probably the. It's the Cadigan Garden smoking area. That was the. That, that was, was the king, was wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Bars. But, like, I don't know, I've, I've not been to Ipswich now in a while, but when I go back now, I have to go to the Shamrock, um, our friend Leo's bar, because it's just, it's just perfect. I wish it was called Leo's bar. I know, be nice. <laughs> You'd love that. Um, I've got a poem. Rowan, do you want to hear my poem? Yeah. I have to write them down and read them, otherwise I don't have any confidence. Uh, but you should see Rowan, when he's doing a poem, he looks, he's got... A swagger to him, like Google Rowan James. There's probably videos online. Like you're very cool and confident. I feel like I turn inside out when I'm reading poetry. Uh, yeah. So here goes. This one's called Fluicide. I'm a painter, and sometimes I paint outside. And when I paint outside, in particular, insects reach their demise by planting their thread-sized feet on my wet canvas. Was this just a mishap of attraction or had they just had enough? End. It's <laughs> a sad one, Rowan. That reminds me once of that latitude and I wore this really nice, like, white linen, you know, shirt. Yeah. Really nice. And, like, the Did you bugs, look like the man from Del Monte? The bugs were just like... <laughs> <laughs> I looked like... No, I looked like Barney from The Simpsons. I was like, flies going around oh, no. my hair. And everyone was like, it's my jacket! But oh. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Latitude was in Suffolk, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so you probably frequented it quite a bit. In the early days. Um. So, oh, yeah, let's have a little chat about Bournemouth Emerging Arts. Yes, this is a coincidence. Yeah, we just arrived down and Rome was like, hey, there's a Fringe Festival. And I was like, shut the front door. I haven't been to a festival in seven years. But I think the first theatre-y thing for... Yeah, so we went to see uh, something called Prime Cuts, which is showcasing the very best of emerging talent from Bournemouth. Obviously, since uh, the Panny D, all of these artists have emerged. And moved. And moved to <laughs> London. <laughs> Um, but they came back and um, I don't know I'm going to pick one of my highlights which was probably Josh Ward Um, Josh is an actor and a neurodivergent artist and proud member of Extraordinary Bodies Young Artists Um, he did a show um, which is just all about him it was called Being Josh um, a scratch show and uh, it was just very relatable 
about the anxiety around the pandemic and um, I want my old life back. He must have said that about 17 times and I was like, I want my old life back. Uh, but I was just generally really impressed by Josh. Do you have any special picks from the scratch? Uh, I mean, the rappy album was tight, wasn't it? Actually, yeah. What was his name? Nick Mumford. And he's London based now, yeah. Yeah, that was tight. That was that was fucking cool, well, actually. Yeah. Nice. I mean it's really hard with a scratch because obviously people some people are have got a bit of something quite polished and some people are trying something out and you you know, it's hard to judge it, but like that was a really nice, strong five minutes of performance. It was, it was awesome. What do you have to say about Everybody Knows Judy by Hen... Is it Harry Drake? Awful. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. That's what I was saying about a scratch show. It's hard to judge because, like, you know, he might just be in being selfish and thinking, actually, it's a scratch show. I'm going on tour. I'm going to practice a bit. I mm -hmm. really need to practice and do it. But for an audience, there wasn't a lot, I felt, in the way of connection and offer of what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to hear Judy speak for so long, though. So basically what it was, um, you haven't heard of Tom, but, yeah, it's, it reminds me of an artist from Bristol, but it was like he does these things where he has these voiceovers and, oh, he had Judy's voiceover, this guy, Harry Drain. He was uh, <laughs> doing lip syncing to basically Judy Garland talking about her life for about 20 minutes. Yeah, it was quite a... Quite a <laughs> it was, yes, it was, it was a long time. I mean, the lip syncing, don't get me wrong. It was very It good. was amazing. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I don't know. This is the thing with scratches. It's like... It's people testing it out, and the audience need to be... Actually, this leads on very nicely to Hazel Mayo, um, and her show is called To Be Human. I really connected with a lot of stuff she said, but um, in particular about being a parent, being the parent you want or you needed, she said, and I was like, oh, wow, OK, I really needed to hear that. But um, at one point, she lost her lines, and the audience were just so supportive and, like, we're here, yeah, don't worry. And that, I, I, mean, that's I think... That happened to me when I took my show back to Ipswich and it was like... And I think because it was Ipswich, I just wanted to smash it. And I was like, loads of people there. And I'd just done this amazing show at the junction. I kind of wish I could have swapped them round. I don't, I just wish I hadn't. And I just, <laughs> I just went blank and it just was really awful. Like, it's one of those things with showing, like... We'd had tech issues before the show and it just frazzled all my brain and I literally, I just went blank. And it's only happened to me, like, twice in my life, I think, performing. Once at another poetry gig. Well, they always say in poetry, you're, like, two bad gigs from quitting. And I think, I think that all happened to me in about 2014. <laughs> um, and it's never been the same again. Really? Because I'm about to start doing poetry performance. I'm fucking shitting a brick. Just read it. They do what I do. <laughs> like, close your eyes and, like... Try and remember, <laughs> like, hecticness. Um, um, but I think we should talk about Jasmine as well, yeah. Armstrong, because she was the first one. What was the name of her show? Um, it's called The Phone Call, but she just done, like, a performance um, poetry piece, but... Um, 
I mean, it's quite interesting because obviously what I do with mixing poetry and um, theatre, it's like I really like I really liked how she was writing for the stage, and she um, and a lot of her poetry was quite simple, but she knew that and she owned it, and she then um, and it was really good for an audience. I thought um, it's one of those things where you go as like well, it's something that's quite close to what you do, and you're just like, oh, I wish I could. I don't want to be patronising, but I really want to go after like. Say, have you thought about <laughs> like because like things that I think I've learned like from doing it like it's really good when you describe disguise the poem more and like go into chat that is the poem but it doesn't feel like the poem yeah. and I think she was so close to really getting that in her performance and and I think also it was quite hard because they were all doing it in the round and I don't know if they. Ever rehearsed it in the round? And I think particularly in the round, you kind of need to block it. You kind of, even if it's not tightly blocked, you kind of need to think, "Well, I'm going to do this bit over here and have that in your mind," or it can become a little bit. Um... Well, we need to maybe talk a little bit about Boscombe Arts Depot because we were really surprised when we went That's in. Beautiful. It was this scuff um, mini theatre built in an old um, department store. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. It was very, like, homemade, but well done. It yeah, was a lovely it was, design. It was well done. Like, they basically just made an auditorium out of scaff that surprisingly worked. I it mean, worked really well. It was accessible and it was just, a, it was nice to sit in and everything felt very relaxed and we felt very welcomed. Like, we came to Bournemouth on a... On a whim. Yeah. We just needed to get away and see the sea, and we did that. And then we happened to come across loads of artists, like one in particular as well. Um, outside the Boscombe Arts Depot was a caravan, and there was a um, there was a sculpture exhibition called The Tinder Games by an artist called uh, Rose Lation. I'm going to um, tag all of these artists in our um, episode notes. Um, but the sculptures were amazing. It's just people taking dick pics and um, talking about Tinder. And it was really sweet and engaging. I've actually bought postcards for all of our patrons um, and I'll be sending them out when I get home, which is quite exciting. Um, should we have another poetry moment? Uh, this one is called uh, Shit 90s Films. I like to watch movies from my formative years, even if they're shite, uh, just to feel better, safe, like I'm at home with me ma. In my living room, twiddling the sheepskin rug and smelling the fusty suede and sparks from the fire hitting the back of my legs. The film's shite, but I'm kind of back home just for a minute. Over. End. <laughs> I am Superstitious by Ralph Etheridge. Candyman. 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 If you've watched the 1992 film... You bet your bollocks I would never say it five times in the row. End. You just did. Oh, fuck. No, the last one I said, man, I didn't say the C. Are you sure it sounded like that? Oh, was God. A C. Oh, fuck. He's going to be behind me, isn't he? Oh. <laughs> Gosh, it scares the crap out of me. But, like, that's like the, po the last poem I had. Sometimes I watch things from my formative years, even if they're bad or scary, because it makes me feel like I'm at home. Or with, like, you know, before I had to adult real hard. 
I find I find I find the grown up stuff a bit bit bombarding, and uh, sometimes I just don't want to do it. Do you know what I mean? <sighs> I do. Hi, my name is Rowan. Hi. In 2015, I made a show about not identifying as disabled. Since then, something has changed, and now I identify as disabled. But what is disability anyway? While searching the show, my iPad stopped working, and the operational message said, iPad is disabled. So I phoned the Apple store, and I said, in which way is my iPad disabled? Mr James, he said, your iPad has a medical disability. Your iPad is impaired. There is something wrong with your iPad. Please take the device to the nearest Apple store. We'll then be able to restore your iPad to normal capabilities. In extreme cases, your device will be quarantined for its own safety and the safety of other devices. So I took it to the Apple store and they told me, your iPad is charitably disabled. Your iPad is impaired. Even simple tasks overloaded poorly to operating systems. Your iPad needs upgrading. Your iPad needs understanding and sympathy. Your warranty does not cover such action. However, there are Apple-affiliated support groups where it can be completed in tasks, complete tasks in line with its potential. So I took it to the Apple-affiliated support group. Your iPad is great. Your iPad is inspirationally disabled. Despite some operational glitches, they should be celebrated and recognised as the key features that make your iPad your iPad <laughs> an inspiration to all tablet devices. So I took it to Microsoft. And they said, your iPad is disabled by society. Your iPad, although working outside normal operational standards, is capable of more of most tasks. However, the network is not compatible with your device. It will not allow your access to certain prohibited areas. Areas, if the network settings can be changed, your iPad will work as desired. iPad experiences disability. Your iPad is a small operational glitch. Your iPad is now classed as having a disability. The network will disable your iPad frequently. Due to company policy, existing structures and procedures, please isolate your iPad as soon as possible by phoning our helpline. Our engineers, engineers may see past the glitch, depending on their understanding. In most cases, your iPad will be red taped and recorded disabled on our system. In extreme cases, your iPad will be ignored and left to die. Anyway. <laughs> oh, <fucking> hell. <laughs> <laughs> I rang up an end independent engineer. Mr. James, your iPad is culturally disabled. There's nothing really wrong with your iPad. I think you just typed the password incorrectly in three times, mate. Wait 30 seconds and it will reset. <laughs> Well, that's relatable. <laughs> well done. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's amazing. Have you performed it? Yeah, it's, it was in my scratch. My, it was actually been in two shows. I don't know what you think, where you recycle. <laughs> Is that naughty, though? I just I see know. it as progressive and patching things over. Do you know, you, know you can actually libel yourself. I know it's different for shows, but in, like, writing essays, you can libel yourself or libel plagiarise yourself. 
If well, it's you, not plagiarising if it's you. But if it's been published with another publisher and they oh, own... That's a little bit annoying. Yeah. Oh. And they own it <laughs> and you then put a massive chunk of your work in something else that's basically the same thing you've already published. I think I'm not a publisher lawyer, <laughs> did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 I thought that was the case. I might be wrong. Um... So we'll probably just fire into the interview bit of That time. wasn't the interview. No, that wasn't the interview. These are just the four four questions that we asked. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> is, this like, <laughs> is this like in the actor's studio where they have the four questions they ask every time? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, great. Yeah. What's um, my favourite sound? What's your favourite sound? <laughs> One hand clapping. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, Rowan, how did your art career start? Can we call it a career? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what I do. How did, how did it start? Actually, I guess in some ways it started with a scratch show. So, it's a slip um, switch. In Cambridge Junction. Oh, okay. Yeah, I took. So I just left teaching and literally, I hadn't even quite left teaching. I was off sick with stress, and I was, but it was like the writing was on the wall. And I took a, had, obviously I'd done performance poetry and I applied to Cambridge Junction where the amazingly cool Daniel Pitt used to work. Um, and he kind of opened doors for me really after that. Um, he invited me back for a chat. Um, Hannah Walker, who I'd done um, some work with before, uh, well, no, she'd like, I'd been on one of her, her residency. Um, she was running, and so she knew me, and she was working um, affiliated with the Junction at the time. And, yeah, it just kind of spiralled, and then... But you approached the Junction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, did, I went and took a scratch show, and then they liked what I did and had to say, and, invite, and they, uh, after the night, Daniel Pitt was like... What do you want to do with it? And I was like, well, I want, you know, I want to make a full show. I want to t take it as much as I can make of it, you know. Um, so yeah, scale it up, um, and yeah, that's kind of what we did. And then you've just applied for loads of funding and kept it going and the momentum. Yeah, sort of. It doesn't feel as hard, doesn't it? Cause it's just like you end up being dragged into so many different. Play, well, no, I think there are some artists that just do what they do, but that hasn't been for me. I think particularly with poets, like, until I was talking to someone else that I met at a party and, you know, we were saying, like, how it's almost like everything I do uses my skills as a, like, as a poet, but nothing I do is actually poetry, and that's kind of... Um, and everything I do is because of my poetry and... That's where it sort of comes from and got me into this area, but very little of what I do now is actually poetry. But based in that, that's your foundations. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me, is there any bits of your career that you found quite challenging or um, demanding? Or... Loads, most of it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> have you had it? What, what, have you had it easy? No, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, those, I mean, it's just, it's it, it is racked with disappointment and 
you know. What you said earlier when you were like, oh, I've done about 20 or 30 applications and I've gotten two and they weren't so good. Like, I, I think... Uh, well, it's just, you know, there's, it's very challenging in terms of, like, you know, I've had loads, there's loads of times where you nearly get something, you get shortlisted for a big amount of money and then COVID happens and they change it way they do the interview and fuck you over and I'm not there. Um, <laughs> like, um, I sense none of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, and like, um, yeah, like, there's loads of things, loads of disappointments. So you just have to kind of get accustomed to that. Unfortunately, I think you have to, I mean, I'm saying you have to have a thick skin because I clearly don't, but like, you kind of do, it's kind of, you know, these things happen all the time in this industry. Things change. You can have something that feels really secure and it not be. And, like, that happens every day in this industry. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> On the, that probably leads nicely onto the next question, which are, um, what are your high points? Anything that's brilliant about it? That you oh, this is going to be so, like... What? Um... Corny, cause I reckon like most fair makers will say this, but yeah, I love it when I'm making. I love the making process. I love rehearsing. I love working with really cool people. I love the writing. I love the fact that I hate it and it's so difficult and it drives me. I love that feeling of trying to find a show that's already feels like you're not actually creating something, you're just trying to find it how it should be. And that's how I've always felt about my work and making it. And I, you know, I just really, really love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it makes me feel really alive. Um, and it's like one of the few times where I do just feel really alive. And it's like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And my heart sings in a way like a cat screaming. But, <laughs> but it's like, it does. And, yeah, I love it. Um, I suppose that kind of wraps up the, the, the final question. What just keeps a you doing <laughs> Well, I don't know. We'll ask me in five years. We'll see. Um, I don't, it's seeing you. Uh, but, but I, you know, now, now I'm writing, trying to write a children's book. I've got... You know, I've been starting a company, um, trying to look at doing, um, acts, you know, accessible theatre and music and looking at vibrations at festivals and stuff like that. So, What, what does that mean, vibrations at festivals? Well, looking at haptic um, dance floors um, and looking at haptics for sensory issues as well as... This is where my brain's just confuddled, but... Um, this morning with a hangover and we have to talk about really complicated, intricate things. But, yeah, um, yeah, but that was just before COVID. I had a... I started my company about two weeks before COVID. Fashion. So where you start a festival-orientated uh, stage company, what a great time it's for It's fine. It. It'll all happen. But it sounds like um, accessible arts is a thing because I, I know you and me both suffer from sensory overload. If I could go to a festival and know that there was a place I could go that wasn't bombarding me, I would be... Yeah, I think... There's, I mean, this is, like, where, what we're looking into and, like, 
obviously, you know, there is definitely uses and definitely some of the drive of it is, you know, it'd be really useful for people who are deaf or hearing impaired. Um, a lot of the population have hearing impairment issues, but there's other benefits for sensory stuff, other applications. Like for me, my fascination with vibrations came out of, like, I find it really hard to like um, put my words with music, um, the way my brain works, I just can't get it in tune through my transferring what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I'm feeling it, it's much, much easier for me. And that is where sort of like my sort of fascination with vibrations came out of. Um, and, um, yeah, and I prototyped a tile that you stand on. It's very cool. And it plays music and it vibrates it up you. But also, um, they like it up. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, but also, like, uses as, like, for... Uh, sound, noise pollution, festivals, like you can lower the um, decibels by a significantly amount that make a difference. For Amazing. Because obviously it's the bass that carries, the bass is the big problem with noise pollution. I fly for um, you, I'm quite impressed by um, your your intuition and gut surrounding how you create art and solving problems and kind of connecting things like that. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast and also to be a friend for a decade. Woo! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, catchphrase. Um, so can you tell the lovely people where they might find out about you and what you're doing? Uh, so... Um... Keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. <laughs> What's your website? Uh, RowanJamesPoet.co.uk um, And, yeah, I mean, um, that's it, really. I mean, we, we do have a beatbox website, but I don't really want to put the company website out there because I don't know the address. Fair enough. Um, but RowanJamesPoet.co.uk um, co.uk is that right yeah um i've been onto the website it's got a really good collection of what you've done in the past and uh, uh, it's yeah it's pretty cool check out some of his past work and hopefully we'll see more of you in the future um should we have a little hug it's okay i've had a lovely time in bournemouth with you Um, I'm back in um, Hello Darling with George and Dane for another cocktail moment. Dane, you're from Key Drinks and you're going to do us um, a really special drink, I believe. Yes. Um, so with this brand, it's called Padre Azul. Uh, this cocktail specifically is only on the Stephen Webster listing at the moment. Um, so you're actually going to try it before they have. <gasps> yeah. This We're is really special. special. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I've been told I'm allowed to try and make this. So... Um, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, with, please. Uh, go stuff ahead. From Hello, darling. And I'll tell you more about this brand. All right, so Patricio Tequila, uh, they're owned by an Austrian couple. Uh, well, Austrian, uh, his name is Hans Peter, and his wife, uh, Adriana, she's from Mexico. And they basically fell in love. Aww. And they love tequila so much that they decided to start a company. And they went to Mexico to see how they could make it work. And that's how this brand all came together. Oh, okay, that's such a, a sweet story. story. I love that. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the the big thing that's striking about Such this cool bottle, bottle. <laughs> is it's it's a bloody work of art and it's it's cool. It's fucking rock and roll. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a story behind everything on this as well. So as far as the leather sleeve goes, um, this comes from the Mexican wrestler tradition oh, of luchadores. Yeah, yes, exactly. And then the skull top is from the Day of the Dead rituals, the Dia de las Muertes. Oh, amazing. Um, yes, and then tie those two things together in order to make this wonderful package. That and it just looks like like the, like the a bougie version of Download Festival. That's it. That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. I love that because I love both of those things. Um, so, yes, uh, I was just very taken aback by their boldness to put this package together yeah, and how it, they just... It's yeah, fucking just, gutsy. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool gutsy. thing. It's, it's like a beautiful thing to see behind a bar. And just all real materials as well and the, the biscuit, the, the, the like left the no cost behind. The like, stuffer has a, like, is a skull, but it also has a neck tattoo. I fucking it love does. it. It has so the inside. But also the weight of everything on this, if you feel like... It's, the, do you know when someone oh. said that about... Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's a really heavy, it's, it's, it just feels like a really particularly brilliant thing. Reliably it? weighty. Yeah. Like, nice. Solid art pieces, like, all the way through, and I, I, I like that idea. I like the design. I like the fact that they have metals Ooh. directly stitched onto the bottle. It's, it's just... Yeah. And if you yeah. saw that in a bar, any bar, if I saw that, I'd be like, I want to try that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, straight away. You'd have to. Sure. Um, shall we try it? Yeah, okay. So, I'm going to try and make this. We've got the lovely Padre Azul. Ooh! Such a good noise. I'm going to make four, I think. Oh, God, that's a lot. Just bear in mind that, you know, it's Monday and I'm a single mother. Well, we can pretend it's... <laughs> it's definitely something. Okay, so is this recipe top secret or can I tell our listeners what I'm putting in here? No, you can tell them everything. Oh, amazing. Okay, cool. So I'm putting, for each drink, you're obviously going to have to do the maths on your own on this one because... Yeah. Can't. We don't need maths. Um, it's 35 mil of Padre Azul. Uh, it's 15 mil of Frangelico, three drops of chocolate bitters, 50 mil of espresso, and then you've done it with like a smoked garnish before that we can't do here. Do you want to tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. So that comes from my staff and teammate Alex, who is an amazing mixologist. 
he's the one that you'll basically, if you visit Stephen Webster, um, he's the one that will be making a cocktails there. So I had to buy a smoke machine purely just for this one cocktail because he was just so insistent that we needed a smoke machine for this thing. He sounds great. Yeah, he, yeah. he was just one of those guys. Well, we, I mean, as the business owner, and he approached me and was like, we need a smoke machine. I'm like, that's 140 pounds. It's like, but we need it for one cocktail. Like, yes. Yeah, all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that was the end of the conversation. I've not done this in a while. I'm out of practice. Better than me, though. So we've had an interview with Dane um, on the podcast before, and you have mentioned that everything that you have in your company is special. Which yes. is why you'd get a smoke machine for one cocktail. Yeah, this, I, I suppose that's why it was necessary. Uh, sometimes it can be quite hurtful, but you know, in this occasion, it worked out quite well. I love it. So. I love it. I just love the levels that you go to to make something that already is great. Just actually, just sing in, and it's all about the artistry of it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which oh, is why we're here. Looks this looks amazing. amazing. Oh, like nailed the crimmer on this one. Oh, I'm definitely. quite pleased with myself. Do you know my favourite bottle in the world, um, traditionally since I was a kid, is the Frangelico. Oh, cool! Because it looks like, like a fucking monk. It does. <laughs> they, they went all out. They have the robe and everything as well. I yeah, it to be it's like I, I remember seeing it in the off license when I was a kid. I went there regularly just to mm. hang out. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> and it was just like it stood out to me. It was like no one ever bought it because it's quite expensive in particular. But like, I just thought Thank it was you. so beautiful, and that's something. That you know stuck in my mind forever. That's what a, this tequila is like. It will mm. stick in a kid's mind forever. Not that you want kids to be drinking cheers. booze, but cheers. Well, you know what I mean. Padrezil also has a special way if they do cheers. Oh. So what you say is que padre. Que padre. Que padre. That's lovely. It looks like an espresso martini. Mm. It's supposed to have the same kind of feel, but with tequila. It's delicious. And the smoothness of this tequila just it's makes... It's so everything. smooth. The yeah. bitterness of the coffee is the thing yeah. that lifts it. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, make this at home if you can. I it's, really um... And you need a smoke machine. <laughs> a little, little shout-out to Balance on Lower Marsh is where I got the coffee. Oh, brilliant. I went in just now, I was like, can I get six double shots of coffee? And they were like, are you OK? I was like, it's not, <laughs> no, for, it's not. not just for me. <laughs> uh, Balance on Lower Marsh are really, really great, and they're always quite yes. kind to us. Um, but this, this is, is a, I, I really want to fucking down it. That's dangerous, isn't it? I mean, I've, got, I've Wait, already got through done. mine too quickly. I love That's our really cocktail moments. Dean, do you know it's... Or, yeah. Dane, sorry. Um, I've been drinking. Um, it's been really, it's been really nice to share cocktail moments with other people because it is about community and that's what that's you're about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, taking time with people specifically that you really like. That's also, you know, branding on Padre as well. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. cheers again. What was the cheers? Que Padre. Que Padre. Que Padre. So that was our episode all about um, being a little bit wired differently in our brains and how it doesn't really matter and we can help each other find ways to cope and drive each other in our careers and it's so okay. It's really good. And also I think I felt a bit accosted on the bus when you were like, here are the symptoms. (laughs) And actually working through it and thinking about it, I was like, these aren't criticisms. They're They're just facts about how you are. And if finding out those facts about yourself can help you navigate the world 
then do that. You know, don't don't let it make you feel attacked or that you're failing at anything. It's it's useful to know how your brain works so that you can function better and so you can let other people know what your limitations are. Yeah. Because, you know, you've been on jobs and you're like, I don't want to go up the ladder because I'm dyspraxic. That's key information on a job site. It really is. Or like if somebody's in pain a lot, but you can't see their disability, Mm. it's like... It's just good to know these things and sometimes, only sometimes, it's good to be able to chuck that label at somebody and say, would you go and fucking Google that and then yeah. come back to me? And also useful to know what your limitations are. You know, I if there's sort of super detailing to be done at work, I'll be like, "That's I'm not going to do that very hand, well. Hand it to Ra. Hand it over. Yeah. And it means that you become less kind of pressured or... You feel um, like you have to be able to be good at everything. Yeah, it's you like, can say, oh, that's not my skill set. Get that person to do it. And yeah. having those conversations is how you build a team creatively, which is really important. And we love being on a team. Love being on a team. Don't like um, work on my own. So I'd like to say a big thank you to Rowan James as well. He um, just recently had heart operation, open heart surgery. Oh, bless him. Um, and Sending um, all our love. Yeah, we're sending so much love to you, Rowan. I love you so much. And one day I hope we live in the same town again. Um, that has been artists that work. It's been really nice to come back. I miss yeah, it's you, George. Been so nice. It's been a long time. This has been a really special episode. Thank you. Um, if you want to get in touch with us now, I'd say the best way to do is artists that are working at gmail.com or go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash artists that work. And um, there's lots of different goodies that you can subscribe to. Yeah, we've taken a bit of time off social media. Ra and I both felt the summer got a bit on top of us. And so we've stepped away from a lot of the stuff that was making us a bit anxious. So we, we will be back. Off. We just took the pressure off. And I think all of us need to do that sometimes. I was speaking to a makeup artist the other day who was like, oh, no, I don't go on Instagram anymore. It's giving me a headache. Like, it's driving me mad. And I think it's really important to... If you're feeling overwhelmed, take a step back. We will be back. Uh, We will be doing lots of lovely episodes in the lead up to Christmas. And you can always get in touch with us. We we shouldn't say Christmas because we never know when these are going to come out. Never mention the chronological. I mean, the Christmas episode will come out at Christmas. Do you think so? Yeah. I mean, are we that organized? We love you guys. Thanks for listening. I love them more than you, the listeners. They know that. They know that. Okay. I know that. I sing them to sleep.